Hello everybody, I'm Jacob Dettoni, and this is the FDI Podcast. Investing and doing business in Afghanistan is not for everyone. It takes sheer commitment and audacity to run a business in the midst of the country's numerous stability and security challenges. Today, I have the pleasure to be here in our studio in London with one of the few foreign executives that took a gamble to defy perception and moved to Kabul to run a bank. Anthony Bard, welcome to the FDI Podcast. Thank you. Anthony is the CEO of the Afghanistan International Bank, or AIB, the largest commercial bank in the country. He has led the bank since 2016, after having served as the chairman of its audit committee since 2008. Anthony, you have over 40 years of commercial banking experience. You work with groups of the likes of Barclays Group, the Bank of Ceylon, but you also worked as a consultant for Booz Allen and Hamilton, and you are an associate of the Chartered Institute of Bankers here in London. So take us through the decision process that led you to let somebody with your professional background to accept the job in Kabul. Going into uh, semi-retirement after leaving Bank of Ceylon and had the opportunity for uh, with Asian Development Bank to do a short-term assignment in Afghanistan. Uh, after completing that, I was connect- communicated by a small U.S. consulting company uh, to go and talk to uh, AIB. Uh, which I did, and again did some short-term assignments for them. I found working with AIB interesting. Uh, It was unique in many ways in Afghanistan uh, that it um, wasn't run by the shareholders. It had a CEO and it had a separate board. Governance was very strong. And there was clearly an opportunity to see the bank uh, growing over the next few years. And they then slowly moved from being a consultant to eventually taking over from as the CEO. Bank has been very interesting to manage. Uh, We have developed very well over the last 14 years. Uh, Afghanistan, yes, is not the ideal place to live. Uh, but I think if you have a employment that you enjoy, then you can overlook the some of the inconveniences of living in Kabul. Obviously, um, there are numerous reasons to spend some time on business outside of Kabul. Sure. Uh, but basically, yes, I'm Kabul-based. Despite the business opportunities, not for everyone, everyone to move to Kabul. How do you like your your life in Kabul? Tell us what, what it looks like actually to to be there as a, the CEO of a, of a bank. From a living point of view, it's uh, quiet. The security risk uh, we like to think uh, is exaggerated. Like in many cities these days, you just have to take normal precautions, such as. What are normal precautions? Uh, well, we t- would travel in armored vehicles, not because we expect anyone to follow or attack the vehicles, uh, but if you are closer to an explosion, um, you're much safer in an armored vehicle than you are in a thin-skinned vehicle. Yep. So that's just one of the practical things uh, that you can do. And you 
don't walk in the streets very much. And if you are traveling, you keep an irregular times for traveling. Sure. So, but otherwise, Kabul, if you drive around, has as many traffic jams as London. The streets are very busy. A uh, lot of children playing. All the shops are open. So it doesn't look like a city that has problems. It looks like a fairly normal city. So it's interesting that you say that uh, the security risk is uh, lower than perceived uh, outside the country. And you know, sometimes this is really the, the reality, not just in Afghanistan, but uh, you know, many other uh, countries that have experienced the years of conflict or civil wars or political um, instability. And, you know, this also leads us to, to, to addressing the issue of how to run a business, what are the real opportunities for business uh, and for foreign investment. We know that foreign investors, they want stability and uh, the opportunity to, to take a long Uh, term view on their investments uh, and not necessarily this is something that is easily uh, associated to a country like uh, Afghanistan. So let's talk about uh, uh, the Afghanistan International Bank. Uh, do you want to give us a very brief summary of its uh, uh, shareholders? I know there is a foreign capital component, but do you want to give us a brief overview? The bank was founded in 2004 uh, by three Afghan families and Asian Development Bank. Slowly over those years, the shareholding has changed slightly. Uh, one of the original shareholders was purchased out by the two existing private shareholders. Uh, ADB uh, came to the end of what is a normally its investment period for, of around 10 years, and the share, two private shareholders purchased those. So for a short time, we had just two shareholders. And then IFC purchased um, 7.5%. The private shareholders are uh, Afghan families who have had business in Afghanistan, but business outside of Afghanistan. And back in 2004, um, agreed to open uh, Afghanistan International Bank uh, with a view to helping to develop the economy of Afghanistan. Uh, which I think we've done extremely well at. Um, we are a, a very ethical bank. Uh, our governance is extremely strong. And that has allowed us over the years to develop business, uh, initially with the American Army. And probably one of the main events after that was the purchase of a Standard and Chartered's branch in Kabul in 2012. Mm -hmm. uh, given that, um, AIB then provided banking services virtually uh, to all of the main institutions operating in Afghanistan, the UN, NATO, American Embassy, British Embassy. So we had a, a core base of uh, very strong uh, institutional business as well as all of the main uh, banking houses, commercial houses in the, in the country. The bank has got uh, 37 branches across the country, 107 ATMs and two cash 
outlets. W what is the relationship between uh, Afghans and uh, a commercial bank? Is there a tradition of savings? Uh, obviously, uh, Afghanistan is an Islamic republic, so I guess uh, Islamic finance also plays a major role in what you, you do. At the same time, obviously, you are working with all these international organizations that you mentioned. But what, uh, looking forward, how do you see this relationship between banking and uh, the Afghan population developed? There was not a culture of banking in Afghanistan. Uh, prior to the beginning of the 2000. It was an area where you had not seen British or other countries uh, providing banking services, not like India or Pakistan. Uh, so when we opened, uh, there wasn't a culture of banking and employees were not used to that culture. So that has slowly developed uh, and is ongoing. AIB uh, chose to concentrate on the corporate business initially. Uh, we now have a substantial number of uh, individual customers, um, and we will continue to develop that, and we will continue to develop Western banking practices, moving away more from bricks and mortar to uh, electronic systems. The banking now is uh, accepted. The people earning salaries in Kabul and the other major centers uh, all have bank accounts. Um, most now uh, will have uh, internet and we have a, a very strong internet banking system. Phone banking systems will develop. Uh, when you look outside of the main centers, uh, you do have a problem. Communications of traveling and to some of the smaller cities and villages is extremely difficult right. and not safe to move cash around the country. So there is part of the population that is still uh, unbanked. Um, and there's a lot of discussions of how that gets improved. Um, AIB's view is it needs to be done in conjunction with the phone companies uh, because it's not possible to have bricks and mortar in many of these smaller uh, areas of population, uh, but there is efforts from the central bank and the commercial banks to broaden the banking base. Uh, Sharia banking has been only fairly recently introduced. It is developing slowly, uh, but maybe the la lack of growth relates back to the economic situation in the in the country. You're not seeing a lot of growth in the conventional banks, which especially on the loan side. So that sort of explains why Sharia banking uh, isn't growing on the uh, loan side either. Yeah. Uh, but you know, as far as AIB is concerned, we're happy to deliver either conventional products or Sharia-based products. Is this something that people ask you for, Sharia banking, or they, they don't really care? The majority of the companies would prefer conventional. Uh, obviously, uh, we are a very religious country, so some of our customers prefer the uh, Sharia way of lending. Uh, and as I said earlier, we still don't have a, that big a retail base. You probably see more demand for Sharia banking at the retail base, so that we are slowly opening up. Anthony, is it profitable to run a bank in Afghanistan? We think it's if you run it uh, with good governance, 
and you follow international banking standards, which AIB has always been done. Uh, the word international, um, in some ways, was misleading to put in the title because we're not international. We don't have branches outside of Afghanistan. But I think if you are asked um, many of the businesses or people in Kabul, why is it international? Why is it Afghanistan International Bank? The answer you will get is that the bank is run on international standards. Right. And that we have done um, because that's also allowed us to maintain uh, strong correspondent banks outside of Afghanistan, which is necessary to support the uh, trade in Afghanistan. Uh, and AIB is, uh, has been for a number of years and still is the only bank that can provide dollar payments out of the country and receive dollars coming into the country. But that's very profitable for us. We, over the years, and still achieve about a 13% return on equity, uh, which is good for any bank. To run a bank according to international standards, you also need other international executives or professionals with that can uh, bring uh, to the table their their international experience uh, you were actually mentioning uh, that right this morning you you met somebody for you interviewed somebody for a position as a director so what is your sales pitch what and what is the feedback that you get from people when you approach them uh, offering them or like inquiring them about uh, interest in working in Afghanistan uh, looking at our employees we have been uh, moving away from employing expatriates uh, over the 15 years that we've been open for. Um, the Afghani employees have developed and we've spent a lot of resources on training them. Our aim within the next two or three years is to reduce the expatriates in the bank down to two. Probably was about seven at the highest uh, time so that we will, um, I think that will be quite an accomplishment and we should manage it in, as I said, two or three years' time. When we're looking for directors, uh, we're looking for uh, people that will add value across a number of areas and uh, we're looking at people who have experience in banks and outside of banking uh, but understand the requirements to be a board director to be able to give sufficient time to the board. We are maybe a little bit unique that we really do have independent directors as against what happens in some Afghan banks. Um, so getting people to be interested in directorships in a bank that you can see fairly easily from our annual reports is, is successful. So you can get the interest in the banks uh, then you have to explain to them that the security situation is right. they're not going to be at risk when they visit us in Afghanistan. And what you tend to find is that once you've taken uh, somebody to Afghanistan for the first time, uh, there's very little problem in getting them to come back a second time. Another interesting uh, aspect of, uh, I guess, doing banking in Afghanistan is also making sure that uh, the money doesn't end up in the wrong hands. Right. So is it, is it compliance or, not, or due diligence on your clients uh, another big challenge in what you're doing? People have the perception that Afghanistan is high risk for many different reasons. 
and want to know that the bank's anti-money laundering and KYC is strong, which probably results in as having stronger KYC than many of the other banks that the correspondent bank serves uh, because of the perception of Afghanistan. Uh, we have to prove that the systems and processes within the bank do actually come up to international standards. And that has to be confirmed by uh, third-party inspections of the banks, which we've done uh, very well with. Um, so the two are very closely together. If we do not have strong KYC and keep it up to date, uh, we would lose our correspondent banking relationships, which would seriously damage our profitability. So I think by any international standards, uh, we're very strong on all aspects of anti-money laundering. Anthony, yesterday the Afghan embassy here in London organized the second uh, Afghanistan-UK business conference. There was a, a good number of people attending and listening to, to several ministers that flew in to, to share their view and uh, the, the opportunity they want to pitch among uh, uh, British and foreign investors. Is it realistic to forecast the rise of foreign investment into Afghanistan in uh, any foreseeable future? There's a lot of things that are dependent on, obviously, the security and political situation in the country. Uh, there's no re reason to believe now that both are not going to improve. Uh, we will do not, I don't think anyone expects to see a rush of foreign investment coming into the country, but we have to get out the name of Afghanistan. Uh, we have to explain to people that there's two Afghanistans, one that you see on TV regarding explosions and one where the country does work and is progressing successfully. Um, at the moment, a lot of the investment in Afghanistan is coming from Afghans who have left the country at one time or another and now are reinvesting in it successfully. Uh, and I think events like the ambassador arranged, this year was the second year and I think was considered by all to be uh, a step up from the first year. And I think we'll see that progressing as we go along. Uh, but I think everybody agrees that we have to do more public relations for Afghanistan to like, to remove the, the thought of people that it's just a very difficult place to live and work. To some extent it is, but everything is over you can overcome. Um, and I think slowly we will see more foreign investment again. And we're in a position to help any of the companies that want to come into the country. What are the, the three key steps that anybody interested in investing uh, into Afghanistan should, uh, should take? Well, I think there were some good comments on this yesterday. I'm not sure there's three. Uh, but local knowledge, I think, is important. And the for a foreign investor, the main advice that came from yesterday's meeting was, yes, uh, you should consider having a, a local investor, uh, but make sure that you do very good due diligence on that person, somebody who understands Afghanistan and has good contacts will be useful to you. 
uh, but you also you can make a mistake and get the wrong local partner. So the key message there was come, coming out was um, do your due diligence on your local partner. Uh, we like to think from the bank's point of view uh, that investors will also do due diligence on their banks and hopefully choose AIB. And again, yesterday, our partner insurance company was there, so we can uh, we can provide most of the financial services from a banking or insurance point of view that a foreign co company is looking for. Uh, the British Embassy is very helpful in explaining and helping people uh, open business in Afghanistan, as is the U.S. Embassy and probably the other embassies. Uh, so it's a matter of really uh, understanding and doing your homework as to where the opportunities in the country are. Um, and there's plenty of help to get you started from within inside the country. And I definitely believe and I felt myself yesterday being at a conference that there is a big drive, uh, a combined effort by uh, authorities, government authorities, the embassy, but also uh, executives uh, that are living and working in Afghanistan like yourself to, 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 to put the word out there uh, that there is a way, uh, there, there are opportunities for business in Afghanistan. And the perception in this particular case can be slightly misleading uh, to some extent, as you're saying, uh, that security is an issue, but uh, is not the only issue and is not the only thing that you should focus on when doing business uh, over there. So, ladies and gentlemen, Anthony Barnes, the CEO of the Afghanistan International Bank. You can find all the details and all the financial reporting on uh, the bank's website, which is, Anthony, correct me if I'm wrong, AIB.AF. Correct. Thank you very much, Anthony, for this very insightful discussion. Thank you for having me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, you can follow all our podcasts on our website, fdintelligence.com slash podcast and on ACAST and uh, iTunes. Until the next time. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. The latest episode of The Next Five podcast is all about AI and the business travel sector. I speak to Tim LaBelle, head of product for SAP Concur Spend Solutions. We'll have so much data that our travel will be safer. Shelley Fletcher-Brien, VP of Advito. AI can certainly contribute to more eco-friendly travel practices. And author and public speaker, Theo Lau. AI can help us predict when it will be a peak travel, more delays, cancelled flights. Listen to the full episode of The Next Five wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy.